This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. Discover the specialized and mainstream technology that's transforming the lives of blind and partially sighted Canadians. From the simple to the sophisticated. We'll explain what it is and how to make the most of it. This is the CNIB Smart Life Tech Cast. Here are your hosts, Jason Fair and Chris Chamberlain. Hello and welcome to this episode of the CNIB Smart Life TechCast. My name is Jason Fair. Um, normally I'm joined by Chris Chamberlain, but this week he wasn't able to join us. So today we are talking to Bin Lu and Arjun Mali from Immersive, which is a company based here in Toronto that has been designing products for a few years now. The first product that they designed was something called the Buzz Clip, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But what we're mainly here to talk about is a new product that Immersive is working on that's a revolutionary idea in the area of GPS. And we've got a lot of various GPS apps out there. And what they're doing is is quite, quite different. So we're going to talk about that. Thanks, guys, for coming on the podcast. Good afternoon, Jason. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us, Jason. Maybe tell us a little bit about Immersive and kind of the history of the company and, and what you guys are up to. Immersive was founded back in 2014. Ben and I had been sort of uh, longtime friends. We actually met playing poker and we sort of had a shared experience when it came to vision loss. So Ben's, Ben's father uh, is currently living with glaucoma. And my, my grandmother was also partially sighted and used to support a blind school and orphanage in India. That's sort of how we took a look at the problem and tried to identify uh, technological solutions that would um, empower the vision loss community. Um, and everything sort of started, all the research started within in, in India and Toronto. We sort of honed down on, on, on an idea of a wearable uh, device uh, that, would, that would solve the obstacle detection problem in real time for, for people living with vision loss. And that product was commercialized in 2017 and is currently on market about 35 countries. BuzzFit basically addresses obstacles above the waist for people um, that are blind or partially sighted. So they kind of, it works very well in tandem with a cane. Um, the BuzzFit basically has a sensor that detects uh, obstacles in real time and then provides vibratory feedback to the user. So in essence, the closer you get to any obstacles, uh, the more intense the vibrations become. Um, and it's a really key tool to identify gaps like a hallway or, or a doorway and then also be able to tell when either person is approaching you and, and sort of certain things like that. From our onset, we sort of knew that, uh, so the obstacle detection problem was a large one, but navigation has always also been um, a huge issue uh, for people navigating uh, in the city that are living with vision loss. So until now, the tech has sort of caught up where we can completely offer a, a software uh, solution to address a lot of the navigational issues that are faced by this community. The app that we're talking about is called Mappinhood, and that's uh, M-A-P-I-N-H-O-O-D. And Mappinhood is a GPS app that you run on your cell phone, but you're doing some pretty unique things with it. And I, and I also want to say that... Um, Congratulations, guys. Immersive was just awarded a Microsoft AI for Accessibility grant. Uh, they're one of 11 companies that were released. Uh, the grants were released back in October. So that's that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. So maybe describe to us what Mappinhood is 
and how it's different from maybe other GPS solutions that our listeners might be aware of? Basically, navigation has never really been built for pedestrians. Um, a lot of navigation apps that are currently out there are inherently built and optimized for vehicular and car travel. Um, down to the, So they run on routing engines that are solely designed for vehicular travel. So they really don't consider all the variables that can affect uh, pedestrian travel. And as a result, sort of pedestrian navigation is more of this add-on feature rather than the focus. Um, and there really hasn't been much uh, in terms of much done in terms of accessibility, uh, accessible navigation. So, in in essence, Mappinhood um, empowers pedestrians with personalized navigation and actionable data in real time to ensure safe and barrier-free trips, whether they're at home or abroad. And it's built on our custom routing engine that is actually built for the flexibility of pedestrian travel. So users can generate new data on top of existing layers of uh, existing layers of uh, GIS data and then set filters on what's important to them, um, which basically results in the most ultimate um, and inclusive navigation for pedestrians. So for example, um, a person living with vision loss um, would have sort of a tagged items along a route that would give audible notifications so they can serve as sort of mental check points uh, that they're actually in, uh, headed in the right way and also provides sort of real-time updates on hazards that have been tagged by other members in the community. Um, so if you were taking a 10-minute or 20-minute route somewhere downtown and we just had a very big snow day, um, people and the public would be able to tag um, sidewalks that have been unsalted or unshoveled or that were, you know, slippery sidewalks, um, as well as any other live like construction that may be on a sidewalk that's sort of impeding the pedestrian's ability to travel past or you know go through this route, um, and and it's basically just trying to give you the most immersive experience uh, and a seamless experience or interactive experience as you're um, on your day-to-day -day travels. So from uh, notifying your real-time hazards to giving you a more sort of uh, checkpoint-based wayfinding approach, um, and then also giving you additional information on things that you may be interested in. For example, if you had gone onto your settings and said that I, I, I want to know the locations of water fountains around me, um, as well as if there's any stairs, um, that's the type of data that we'd be able to filter and then provide to you as, as the routes are generated as well. So you're saying um, if I want to with this app, I can go on and say, I want to walk from from here to, oh, I don't know, my local coffee shop. And I want to avoid any stairs that might that might be on my route. I could, can I actually do that? So the, the sort of experience we're trying to create here is uh, we're, we're trying to create this pedestrian community where everybody shares their findings, whatever you know issues they encounter. So in the case where you're trying to get to your local coffee shop, Right. Uh, when you get on our app, the difference here is that one, somebody along the way during the day probably has already encountered most of the issues that's on there. So maybe a overnight construction site popped up. Uh, maybe there's a new set of stairs or maybe some curbs are broken or patches of ice. All of these things are updated live into our server. And then what ends up happening is that you just basically set your destination to the coffee shop itself. and all of these things are being considered uh, at its core. So when you're going there and in your settings, you said that you wanted to avoid stairs and some of the stuff that you don't even have to select that will impact your trips, such as construction or ice patches, will be considered. So 
when you actually get on that trip, you're going to end up arriving at that coffee shop following a series of cues to the next sort of checkpoints along the route to make sure you're heading the right direction. And every time you get to the next section, um, it will warn you on the next stretch of road if there's anything that's non-critical but could be annoying or potentially hazardous, but uh, like low-hanging tree branches that somebody else tagged, warn you of these things, and then you approach intersections, describe the intersections to you because that information was input uh, put into the system by another community member, right? And then telling you that there's two lanes plus bike lanes on both sides and street parking at certain hours and the island in the middle, get past that and arrive at your coffee shop while avoiding all the core stuff you definitely wanted to avoid. But going further on top of that, we built uh, artificial intelligence into our routing engine. So what ends up happening is that you set, you set up your preference settings at the start when you first start using the app. But with every trip you take, the algorithm itself starts to customize what routes are provided to you, knowing that over time, even if you didn't select, say, uh, construction sites as, as a critical thing that you want to avoid, but you always ended up uh, taking detours away from it when we ended up providing uh, routes to you that go through construction sites, right? It learns that. And then as the app, as you use the app more, it will start automatically avoiding these things for you. And the Going even further than that, considering the different levels of um, orientation mobility skills that uh, individuals have, some people might, going back to the uh, example of the construction site, right? Some people might want to avoid it completely, but then some people might just want that additional information. So we have different layers of information. On the most basic level, we'll help you avoid it, but then as the system learns that you rather actually go through the site, but all you need is that extra bit of information. That information can be crowdsourced from the community itself, telling you that, hey, you arrive, you're approaching a construction site, the drywall is on your left-hand side, and the scaffolding is on your right-hand side. So you can stick to the drywall until you get to the corner, and that's the intersection. So that's sort of the experience we're trying to create here. Another good example would be to talk about it from a safety perspective. So like, Safety at night is a big issue for a lot of people, um, and we can basically provide a user the safest route home at night based on street lamp and emergency pole geodata, uh, while avoiding while avoiding like reported high crime areas and dangerous intersections based on pedestrian incident data. Now, is this all based on routes? So, what I'm what guess what I'm getting at is, oh, let's say I just want to go for a walk, and I don't I don't have a particular destination in mind. I just want to go for a walk around my neighborhood. Do I? Do I have to plug in a route in order to get the information about obstacles in my path, or will it just give that to me anyway? Not at all. Um, you All you have to do is going back to the settings at any time. You can turn on anything that's relevant. So far, we have 50, 60 different types of things that's on the side of the streets. You're looking for anything specific, you just have to turn it on. And even without a route, it will announce these things to you and where they are uh, with respect to where you are at the time that uh, you're in range to the object itself. Okay. Talk to, me, talk to me a bit more about the crowdsourcing aspect of this. That's interesting. So I'm, what I'm picturing is sort of ways for pedestrians. Um, ways for anybody who doesn't know is, a, is an app, is a GPS app that is, again, more, much more for, I think, exclusively for vehicle traffic. But it allows people to tag, you know, when there's a, a traffic stop or, or things like that or construction. So I'm picturing that sort of model. Um, how do you plan to get this crowdsourced data and sort of encourage encourage people to add that data? Sure. So the 
the initial sets of data is the hardest to do. So we we did that. Uh, we started automating that process. So what we ended up doing is that we went to the uh, City of Toronto's open data portal plus a few other open source uh, channels, and we collected and consolidated these data and uploaded into our website. So uh, onto our server. So we actually have, uh, as we currently we're only in Toronto, but as we're launching every new city as well, we'll have that open source uh, data as a basic layer in place so that as soon as you jump on the app, even as the first user, uh, you can already find some use in the app itself. And with every user interaction or with every user that joins the app itself, we request that you know, like you get prompted to just verify certain things. And it won't be too much, but every person joining the app verifying a couple of things will make sure that everything's up to date because of all the constructions, you know, some burnt benches or garbage may be out of place. So as that moves forward, the incentive or the drive for individuals to add the tag, we're not asking people to just go out there and sort of tag everything or verify everything, but do what's relevant to you, right? But as we build up this community, uh, and with the base layer of information already in place, we can start to get everything really up to date and really, uh, you know, real time. Like especially in the case of temporary obstacles like uh, puddles or like IC patches or things like that. As somebody who is totally blind, am I able to tag things as well? So let's say if I'm walking down a street and I notice, you know, wow, there's a whole stretch of this street that nobody's shoveled and there's some major ice here. Um, am, am I able to tag that myself? Yep, absolutely. You can, uh, the, we, we built the app from the ground up with accessibility in mind. It's still a work in progress, but uh, tagging will definitely be a, a possibility. Uh, it should be as simple as tagging something within your pro uh, proximity, and uh, later we want to improve that so that you can actually uh, not only tag to where, where you are, but also maybe give uh, tagged to a certain address or tagged to a certain distance away from you within the radius. Is Immersive vetting this data as it goes into the system to make sure that things are accurate and, and that sort of thing? Or like, for example, if somebody tags a construction site and, you know, two or three weeks later, the tag's still there because nobody removed it, how is that being handled? Yeah, so um, this is where the crowdsourcing part uh, gets uh, a, little, a little bit complex, uh, you know, especially if you consider other platforms similar to uh, Wikipedia or even Waze itself, right? This is why we put in the verification system. Uh, it's not only to help us verify that initial base layer, but every tag that everyone puts into place needs to be verified by other users when, uh, before it actually is considered by a routing engine or is picked up by users when they try to look for certain things. So, uh, for example, if someone tags a construction site, uh, the next two people or three people that walks by it will get a, just a very quick prompt. It, should, it will be very non-intrusive. It will just be a quick yes or no if it's there or not. And then as soon as it's confirmed, then this data becomes live to everybody else. And also, due to you know, the nature of some of the temporary uh, obstacles, we actually set timers on some of these things. So for example, if it's an IC patch, we may set a timer so that it times out to become unverified again uh, by the next stage so that we just need one more person to encounter it to reactivate it, if that makes any sense. That's really, really cool. So tell us a bit, so where is the app right now? So we're not released yet, correct? That's right. Uh, yeah. We are actually recruiting um, early alpha testers right now. So the app is um, functional and usable. 
Um, and we're just running all sorts of sort of uh, internal experiments uh, as well as with our um, pool of sort of uh, alpha testers on how to best optimize the experience. Uh, and we're targeting a launch for March next year um, is when it would be um, available on the iOS and Android uh, uh, Play Store. That was actually going to be my next question is, is with so many apps like this, we hear, you know, oh, they're on the iPhone and then course the android users are going you know what's where's yeah. where's, where's my version uh so this this is going to be on ios and android that's great that's yep. great and the other really big thing about this is it's a free app so from a lot of the accessibility focused navigation apps that are out there um i i believe that this will be one of the uh one of the first uh completely free ones um if i'm not mistaken that's awesome because yeah, there are, there are. Um, I mean, Blind Square, you know, costs uh, twenty or thirty dollars, and then you know the other popular one is Nearby Explorer, and that's considerably more. For for your mapping data, I don't know if you can say, but are you are you pulling from OpenStreetMap or are you using a, a commercial map provider like Navtech or anything like that, or, or how are you guys getting your map data? Um, we're pulling from OpenStreetMaps, yeah, we, and we're very happy to say that because uh, you know like we, we do intend to feed some data back as well as our community builds up uh, because at the end of the day our whole you know thesis here and our whole mission here is to create this community where everybody helps each other out right I definitely look forward to working with this as somebody that does you know a lot of walking around Toronto I'm, I'm totally blind and use a cane I think that something like this could be really really helpful especially during the summer when there's so much construction going on and you don't, <laughs> you don't necessarily know what you're going to encounter from, uh, from day to day. Um, yeah, I just mentioned another sort of, uh, so the tagging system is, is obviously a core component of the entire app, but one sort of other additional feature that we built in there just to add a level of personalization is, uh, I guess what we're, what we're calling the geo message feature. This allows a user to sort of press and hold on the app and drop either their, their personal text note, um, or an audio note and these can be used to sort of serve as reminders to either pick up certain things from grocery stores and stuff or if there's a person that's living with vision loss in a neighborhood their friends and family support system can basically go out and 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 drop uh, text or audio based notes around the, the vicinity um, to sort of uh, help with that step-by-step -step, uh, checkpoint uh, method of wayfinding um, so that's also another another thing that can also be shared with with other people. So, for example, like uh, a friend can go out into your entire neighborhood and drop audio and text-based notes, share them with you. So the next time that you leave your house, um, all these all these notes are, are being audio uh, alerted and read out to you. Now, is that being is that being shared with an individual, or is there the ability to make those globally available to people? No. So those would be. Um, only shared amongst your uh, direct contacts or yourself. Okay. So the technology itself, we could uh, allow global sharing, but I think uh, just in the early stages, while we're still figuring things out, we might limit it to uh, personal sharing only, just to avoid any, uh, you know, potentially offensive messages and things like that. <laughs> sure, sure, that makes sense. The directions that you get from the app are they? A turn-by-turn turn type of direction. So if I set a route to, again, I was mentioning my local coffee shop, and I'm walking down my street, will it say, you're approaching this street, turn right or turn left? Or is it more like Soundscape or Blind Square does it, 
where you're just sort of getting distance and bearing to a to a point? Um, we're I think we're thinking more along the lines of uh, soundscape because we want to avoid uh, sort of cluttering your ear with way too much information. So unless it's a need to know thing where it's like a warning or if you're approaching uh, intersections where this kind of information does need to be very verbose, we try to keep it so that's just audio cues to keep you like just a subtle reminder that you're going the right way or a subtle warning that uh, you should probably go a different way. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm approaching a street and I need to turn on that street to get to my point, will it tell me that the point is like off to my right or how does that how does that work? Okay, so I think the the best way to describe this is that as you're walking, uh, if, if it's a, a straight stretch of road uh, before you approach the turn, it'll be just very interval-based uh, notifications to say, okay, you know, to the turn or like to the next checkpoint to the turn because uh, the stretch of road could be split up into multiple checkpoints. Uh, it is X meters. And it's just a, a, a very subtle um, sound audio cue to say that, okay, you're still going the right way, but uh, not very often. And unless you veer off or start going the wrong direction, whereby a warning to tell you to get back on track kind of thing. Uh, and then when you get to the turn itself, there will be a little message uh, as you're approaching to say that, okay, in 10 meters, uh, you know, you're approaching this intersection plus any additional information to be known about that intersection, if there's bike racks or anything like that. And then as you approach there, it will just be a quick audio cue. Okay, so you're here, turn right. And then you're following the next set of checkpoints. The so, website is live. Uh, so if you go to www.mapinhood.com, uh, that's M-A-P-I-N-H-O-O-D.com, uh, you, can, you can learn more about the app uh, and you can subscribe. Uh, currently, what we're doing is about once a month, we're reaching out to people that are subscribing and, and, and asking if they want to be our, our early testers. And we'll be recruiting early alpha testers between now and March next year. So if you want to give the, the app a try and, and give it its first shot, uh, you're more than welcome to, to sign up on there. And, and we'll, I think, send you a follow-up email and basically ask if you're an iOS or Android user and then send you a, a downloadable link uh, where you can download the app and, and test it out. So I just wanted to add that uh, more importantly, aside from trying out the, the alpha version, uh, because we're at the development stage and this is our favorite part about being a startup, Things are still building and uh, still we can make more improvement and more changes. So that's why through the sign up link as well, if you just want to reach out to us and provide any feedback or have any questions for us, uh, we're very happy to engage anyone that uh, wants to talk to us. So on initial release, will this only be available in Toronto or do you hope to have other cities available at launch? Um, we are intentionally keeping it only in Toronto uh, on initial release uh, because we want to make sure everything is working perfectly and we at least get rid of all the bugs that we can find or our users can find before we start scaling this up. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much, guys, for, uh, for coming on the podcast. This is really exciting, and I look forward to hearing how this develops. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much, Jason. For feedback or suggestions, email us at techcast at cnib.ca. That's all one word, T-E-C-H-C-A-S-T at cnib.ca. For more CNIB Foundation podcasts, visit cnib.ca slash podcasts.